Hello? Anyone? Yeah, how's it going? I think we're good to go. Oh, hey, excellent. Awesome, awesome. Alvaro, thank you so much for your time and sure. for, uh, yeah. for doing this uh, brand new thing that I'm doing. I'm very appreciative uh, of you doing this. How's everything uh, where you are? Uh, not too bad. Um, I don't know if you know I'm in Chicago. Um, but, but yeah, no, uh, everything's pretty good. Well, I mean, you know, as good as they can be. Um, I mean, family-wise, you know, things are good. Um, being a playwright, I also teach at a university. Uh-huh. Um, and so, um, this is the first week of classes. Oh, so, um, well, I, I do have to thank you extra, a little bit extra for your time then, because I totally spaced that, even <laughs> though I just dropped my kid off to school at the beginning of sure. the week. Uh, yeah, I do appreciate that. But, um, if you don't mind, I wanted to start at the beginning because you, you have quite a storied resume and a lot of things that you've done. And I really kind of want to pick your brain about the craft okay. and kind of where you started and, and how this came to be in particular playwriting and being a Texican, as you, as you have mentioned, yeah. uh, I, I love that. And, uh, <laughs> before, before I begin too, I wanted to, uh, to thank you too, for, uh, for your support on Twitter every now and then, you know, I kind of, you know, make a, a comment or a message and the stuff that you, um, you have shared with us over the years, over the, uh, some of the groups on Facebook too. Uh, it's been very useful. So I really appreciate it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, I'm excited to meet you too. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, I'm, I'm just going to ask you about the beginning. Um, okay, sure. when you, when you were younger, did you have an inclination for the theater for storytelling or how did that come about for you? Um, wow. Uh, I think in terms of, uh, I like the way you frame that in terms of, uh, like an inkling for storytelling. Um, I think that's, that's definitely something I've had since I was young in terms of not telling stories, uh, but I love listening to stories and, and I love just listening to people. Um, and I realized that, you know, un, unlike my friends who were like um, very social people or very, very loud <laughs> yeah. uh, people, um, I wasn't like them. I was always the, the silent one. And it wasn't because I, I, I didn't have anything to say. I just, I just liked listening to people. Mm. And, and that was, I mean, as I've noticed that, um, looking back in terms of as a kid, um, even I have to say, uh, wow, this totally brings up a memory of, I remember, uh, looking through my mom has this folder of like, you know, my report cards and all these different things from, from, um, uh, from pre-K all the way to, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, a uh, high school. And I remember looking at something in pre-K and it was, you know, one of the teachers had commented like, you know, Alvaro likes to, he likes to hear the stories and the songs. Uh, Cause I guess, you know, we would like the teacher would like read stories and then have people sing songs, but she would say that I wouldn't participate. Like, you mm. like, it, it was, yeah. and, and, and it makes me think like, you know, I really like to just listen. So it came and, to you naturally to just have that instinct to observe and, and sort of gather right from an early age. Uh, and I can imagine. Exactly. In, uh, yeah. In, um, in Latino culture, I'm, I'm Mexican and, uh, I, I still have a lot of family down in, in Mexico and I was raised down there for, for some time. Um, 
there is that tendency of of just complete storytelling and almost like one up ups personship, you know, like uh, there's a, there's always somebody telling a story, right? Sure, sure, exactly. And and I think it was the same way. You know, I, I did a group of friends that you know some who are just these great storytellers, and and uh, you know I just love listening to them. You know, I I think um, and and maybe that was the eventual like because I wasn't always comfortable at, like uh, speaking. Uh, you know, participate in terms of this, you know, um, sharing stories. Um, that's when I kind of noticed that I, that I, I would, I think there might've been some sort of shift where I was, I was writing stuff down. You mm. know, um, I did notice that um, thinking in terms of my earliest uh, time of writing things down um, one time, and this is in sixth grade, uh, I had written a story um, and it was for an assignment. Um, and, and, but it was like a creative assignment. So I wrote this story about my, my grandma and how she was like this, you know, this, uh, badass superhero, you know, <laughs> and, and I just wrote it, you know, just, uh, just, a, and, and I passed it on to a friend after I had written it, I passed it on to him and he read it and he laughed and like, he, and <laughs> after a while, like throughout, he, they just kept passing it around the class and. <laughs> You know, and then of course the teacher's like, you know, what's what's going on? And she finds out, you know, somebody gives her a paper, and, <laughs> and um, and the teacher didn't give me any praise whatsoever. She thought I was like trying to disrupt the class. Of course, as but, they as they tend to do. <laughs> exactly, you know, and um, but I would have to say, like, I never consciously thought about that in terms of, like, I feel like that might might have been the earliest time where I, I wrote something and then kind of, um, and and it actually wasn't for it wasn't because I wanted to see how other people reacted. I like, I was writing cause I just wanted to like, you know, make myself laugh. I thought mm. it was a funny story about, about my grandma. And I do have and, to say like grandmas are legit superheroes. They have all yeah, the cred they need. Right. So it's, it's right, kind of interesting yeah. that, you know, you take that form, right. Of, of that playfulness of say like a comic book or something. And you, you see the characters in your own life, right. Especially when you're that young and you try to place them in that mold. Um, so when, when you were a kid and, and I'll, I'll be moving on from this here in a, in a moment, just cause this intrigues me sure. a lot. Um, <laughs> did you have family that was in the arts or anyone who, who had that inclination? Uh, not that I know of, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm uh, thinking about it in terms of, and I would say even within my circle of, of friends, like not even that, but definitely not. Not family. I mean, other than like, you know, my, my father being, uh, you know, I mean, great storyteller, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that's obviously, you know, definitely part of the culture as you talk about, you know, sure. but um, definitely not in terms of uh, the arts or, you know, okay. anybody who I would, uh, not that I can think of in terms of, well, especially in terms of writing. I mean, yeah, um, definitely not, not in terms of my family uh, mm. uh, thinking about it. No, no. So mm. that's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Cause I remember even when, when I was committing to, to like, you know, be a writer, like I, I started to realize that like, man, there's like nobody in my family. <laughs> like I can Unknown talk to territory, about right? Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. when abouts did that come, uh, did that decision come where you said, you know, I'm going to be a writer. This is what I want to do. Ooh, or was okay. that such I'm, a thing? Um, ooh, I don't know if I've actually, actually consciously like, I'm going to be a writer. Um, because I felt like it was always, it was always 
within me. I just never even noticed it. Like I said, from yeah, yeah. point six grade, I think I noticed it. Um, in high school, I was uh, one. There was a group of kids who would make kind of like this. Their this. Uh, um, I guess you call it like an underground zine or whatever. Yeah. They would make their own. They put one out every month and um, they asked me like, hey, if you want to contribute anything. So I'd just, you know, write poetry or whatever. And, but I never like still never thought of myself as a writer. And it's interesting. I never, for, I, I never will forget this. So before I joined the army, my sister gave me a journal, something I never kept in my life. Mm. And she said, you know, um, you know, m- maybe this might be something you want to do. And so I took it and, um, and I did, like, I, I started writing about my experiences mm. in the, um, uh, you know, in terms of day to day, what we were going on, whatever I had time and everything. Yeah. And like, I felt like that's when I had like that daily commitment to write. And that's kind of, I feel like kind of started me off. Cause once I got out of the army, I was still writing. I kept a, a journal and I was always carrying it with me and just writing whenever I had ideas for stuff. And it wasn't like, like I knew what I was going to do with it, but I would just kind of write. Um, and then, I mean, here we're talking about journey. Like I, it was total, total, uh, uh, like something that just came out of the blue was I was with my friend, my best friend, Ugo, and we were driving around and he gets this phone call. And it's, uh, it's a friend of his, and he says, uh, who, who runs this uh, cultural center in Houston. And he says, so we have a writing class. Um, and, you know, if you're interested, you know, it's, uh, we've had no attendance, so it's free. If you'd like to come, it's on Mondays. And he asked me, like, do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I think the fact that he wanted to go, like, it was something that we would do together mm-hmm. because he and I have known each other. I still know him. Like, we've known each other in fourth grade. Oh, and wow. that's the only time we've ever had class together. So the fact <laughs> that we got to take a class together on, you know, on Monday and it was free, like, you know what, let's do it. And that's actually where I met my first like living writer, living Latino writer. Oh, wow. um, his name, uh, Tony Diaz. Mm. And, um, and that, uh, and I think that kind of started like, Oh, you know, adding that kind of solidifying that idea. Like maybe, Maybe this writing thing is for me, but I would have to say at no point did I feel like it was officially like, this is who I am. I feel like I've always been that. It just was that realization to be like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess this is what I like to do, you know? Yeah. And I can imagine that's a very powerful thing. Um, being, being raised in Wyoming, I've been in, uh, on and off in Wyoming since I was 10 years old. <laughs> So my family moved from Mexico, and one of the things that always struck me was that we had a small, like, Latino community in, in the small town where I lived, which is about 10, 13,000 people, but I always had to look to Univision for my mentors, you know? It kind of felt like that was uh, a, lot of, a lot of, like, sure, sure. what I got, and so I always think that's that's such a powerful thing to see, you know, people of color in sort of giving you ideas, right, as to, as to where yeah. you're going to go. Um, but at that time, um, what led you to, to go into the service, if I may ask, or, um, was that something that you felt a calling to, was it something that, that was just the right thing for you, uh, at the time or. I think I, honestly, I, I think, uh, I would say that it was the the right thing for me at the time, Mm. um, in terms of that, um, it, 
it was something, it was actually a last minute decision. Mm. So when I was, when I was going to high school, um, I hadn't actually prepared even, you know, I knew I wanted to go to college, but I didn't actually, I wasn't prepared for it. So like mm. I not having family, like my sister had gone to college, but I didn't really like talk to her as much, mm. my older sister. And so I didn't actually have the wherewithal to like ask questions in terms of like, what should I be doing in preparation for all this? Mm. And I, I took the SAT um, and I didn't do so great on it, but I thought like, you know, cause I had really good grades. I thought that was enough. Mm. And yet, like I, I didn't participate in any, like any uh, extracurricular activities. I just did school and went home, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but I, it, you know, I, I got approached by a recruiter at the right time. And then, um, and, and I did apply to, to a few colleges. I got accepted uh, to uh, Baylor University and uh, University of Texas, but I didn't get any money. Mm. And I definitely it never came in my mind to think even borrowing any money. So I just said, well, you know, if I don't have any money to go, um, I'm just not going to go. Um, I'll figure, you know, I'll figure something else out. And, and I just got approached by a recruiter at the right time. Maybe, maybe they were, maybe they were watching my mail and they saw my, <laughs> you know, like, oh, this guy doesn't have that money. And so yeah, they, they show me the video of like, they show me this video of a, of a tank of an M1A1 Abrams tank, like just coming over a hill and shooting things. And, you know, I'm, I'm like 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I could do that. <laughs> Marketing and works. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And they were like, you know what? Three years. Uh, you do. You could do three years. You could do two years if you want. This would be three years, which you know, and you get. I think it was like twenty five thousand dollars to pay for your college. Mm -hmm. And and I figured, you know what? Like, why not? You know, I'll, I'll try it. And I figured that's what it was. Like, I'll try it. Mm. And um. And I have to say, you know, definitely, um, I thought I was actually disciplined because, you know, I mean, out of all my friends, you know, I was the one who, who uh, graduated on time and I was the one who, you know, always went to class and all that. So, so I thought I had discipline, but I didn't learn, like, I mean, I was there this kind of discipline that you get when you're in the army. <laughs> and, and that was a different kind of discipline. And so, but, but yeah, but it was never something that even beyond, like it surprised my parents when, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, mm. I'm joining the army. What? Yeah. You know, and my dad, who was in the Navy, like, and he never, like, he never, he wasn't one of those fathers thinking, oh, why don't he you didn't push you? Yeah. No, no, because no, for him, it was just, I mean, it was the same thing. Like, for, for my dad, joining the Navy it was like, it was to get away from the life that he had and that mm. he was trying to just make a better life. And, and this was something, it was an option. And my grandfather, who actually uh, served in the Army, um, and which I didn't actually get to have much of a relationship with him because he, he, uh, he passed away when I was really young, mm. but, um, still, I think it was the same thing. It was more of, uh, I think he actually, um, I think he actually might've gotten drafted, um, in terms of like, cause they served in World War II. Uh -huh. Um, wow. and so, so I do have this generation of, of veterans, but I would say none of it has always been like, this is what we, what we want to do. It was like, yeah. you know, it's like, Hey, this is an option. Let's try it. And, uh, for me, you know, I would say like it, it definitely, I feel like a lot of my success has to do with like the discipline that I got there. Oh, that's good. Um, and I know, and you know, I mean, I also talk to people and like, 
you know, I mean, there, there are some people like straight up said, you know, that, you know, why, why would you do that? Mm. Um, but I say, you know what, it's, I don't recommend it for anyone, but I say like, you know, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. I'm really glad I did it, but, you know, and I would have, it, it definitely, I, I don't think I'd be where I am today if it weren't for the discipline that I got from there. Mm. Um, and in terms of, and then also it helped me appreciate um, uh, college by the time I got to college, because once I got out, I started going to college and I was like, well, you know, I need to like hit the books because I don't, I don't know what else I want to do. And I, and the only other option I felt like was for me to, was to go back to the army. And, you know, I'm, I, I did my time, but I felt like, you know what? I mean, well, you know, I, I want to try something else. And, yeah. and so I knew that I felt like if I failed at, at, or if I didn't, wasn't really interested in going to college that, you know, then I'd just have to go back to the army. And, you know, which, I mean, if, for some people, definitely they make careers. I have friends who definitely make careers, but it wasn't for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to, and actually I started to really realize that as I started to take certain college courses and realizing like, and, and finding, you know, where my voice was and, and yeah. what, was, what I was interested in. And, and the army's a bit different. Like you, you have a voice, but you got to hold on to it, you know, and you can't, <laughs> You can't share that opinion yeah. no matter how much. And, you know, and, then, <laughs> and I'm curious you know. about the because you know it's such a, a regimented environment. It's such a, a strict place to be, and of course, you know, not to even mention the the responsibility of of you know just trying to to survive and do do the kind of things that you have to do. I mean, in in that environment, sure. um, how does something like that inform your values as a writer or what you want to? what you want to write about, do you think that it, it had a tremendous impact on what you're writing now? Or is it something that, that you just kind of, um, um, that you don't think applies to the writing so much? Um, I, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if, I, I don't know if I've ever thought of that way. Like, I feel like just one of the ways that it's it impacted my writing is in terms of, like I said, it's just the discipline. The discipline. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like I have it honestly, like, um, it wasn't until, I think it actually wasn't until like Luchadora where I actually had a character that was in the military. Mm. Um, okay. But, and so for me, I, I mean, I've had these ideas. I still have ideas that I do want to write about the military, but I felt like, but, but I haven't, I don't know, like I haven't been fully pressed to kind of like write that, but I definitely, mm. what the military did give me is in terms of this one, like, you know, I get up at five in the morning and I write. Yeah. And, uh, still, and, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just what I do. And even if like, it's, even if I'm not writing, I, you know, I get up and I'll read, you know, I at least kind of have, have this schedule mm. and, um, it's, it's, uh, it's the quiet time in the house too, which is great. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, and, and I feel like it, it, it it's that discipline. Like, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, you know what, let's just, you know, sometimes you got to knock things out, you know? Right, and, right. um, and that was always the, that's kind of the, always the, the the thing with the army. Like, you know, you, you have certain things you need to take care of. Didn't matter if you liked it or you didn't like it, you knew, but you just had to knock it out. That's all. You just so got to get like it done. Yeah. Certain things like, yeah, you just got to get it done. And for me, like, I mean, you know, writing is, you know, I mean, I love it, but it's still a job. Right. right. You know? Absolutely. So, so it's, so there's times where I have to like, you know, get certain sections of a, of a play that I'm working on. And it's like, I'm like, oh man, like, I don't know I want to work on this, but, but, but right. sometimes like, you know, I, but, but I also, what I, what I'm always try to do, it, it comes down to perspective. Like I think mm-hmm. about my brother 
and my my uh, my the guys I grew up with, like a lot of those guys, they work in like like they they do hard labor, yeah. you know, and yeah. and I continually remind myself of that, mm. like daily, in That's terms of trying point. to see things in terms of perspective. Like, yeah, I am very fortunate that you know people are willing to pay me to write <laughs> stuff, yeah, and to teach about writing. And here I am, like complaining, like, oh man, I gotta. <laughs> yeah, know, and by comparison, I rewrite this script, you know? Right, right. It's like not page 30 again or whatever, you know? The yeah, exactly. Man, let me just finish this. Right. And so I can't talk to this. And what's funny is, and because of that, like, I can't talk to this, you know, my pains about, you know, to being to my brother and my friends and be like, you know, like, get that. It's get, like, get out of here. Privileged life out of yeah. here, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, do you have to get up at five not to write, but to go and work in the warehouse or, or exactly, whatever? Exactly, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, no, you it's, get up, you, you write, you go sit yeah. in your, your pajamas and write here, but right. I get up at five, and my <laughs> brother's like, he's in his car already driving yeah. across. That's a, that's a great mentality to have. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of um, adaptations, this was one that you shared with us when we, when we took that fa- Facebook class in April, I believe, Luchadora. Which is an awesome play, by the way. I, I read it. Um, Thank you. Just a, l- a little while back to kind of prepare for this. Um, it leads me to kind of to ask you a couple of things about inspired adaptations, which I love the term. I love that that definition. Can you give me kind of like a cliff's notes on on your philosophy on that? Because I found that to be super useful. Like for for somebody who doesn't really know what we're talking about here in terms of adapting okay, sure. work for the theater. What what is your your philosophy on that? Sure. So as I became like delving into adaptation, like I realized, like number one, there there aren't a lot of books on adaptation, and you know everybody has their own perspective, and I felt like it would be helpful to try and like come up with certain terminology so we can kind of help define things. And and I got actually I got this example from when I read. Uh, there's a book by uh, David Ball called uh, Backwards and Forwards. Oh yeah. Um, and I love that he had specific terminology and, 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 you know, some of it could have been his and or something he gathered somewhere, but I felt like because he had terminology, it la- at least allowed us to be in a meeting place and understand number one, what that word meant and then kind of understand. And, and so we can move on. And so I felt like it's the same thing in terms of adaptation that I feel like when we talk about it, it is such a nebulous thing. I mean, honestly, and, and I don't know, I mean, I, some people might get on to me about this. Maybe it's like when we talk about like, when we talk about like, you know, the like Latinx, like people, like it's so big. Yeah. Like there's so much different, like, you know, you know, you got, you know Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, you know, we got everybody. You right. Know? Yeah, we got all these subgroups. So I think it's the same thing with, with adaptation. I know it's probably not good to compare our people to, to adaptation, but <laughs> I think, but, but adaptation, I think there are subgroups and I think the two most popular are what we call like the straight adaptation or what I call the straight adaptation, mm-hmm. um, which is where we have, you know, the, um, when you're adapting, you use a specific type of source material. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the a straight adaptation definitely uses a lot of the same aspects from that source material, such as um, the same, if you're using like a poem or a short story, it has the same characters, it has the same journey, right. um, it might even have the same setting. And then you have something which I call um, more of like what, what you just brought up, the inspired adaptation, where 
It is. You use the source material as, as inspiration. Mm. But the thing about it, and this is where I started to kind of, as I was building or understanding how I felt most comfortable with adaptation was, I felt like for any writer who adapts something, like you can't, you can't forget your voice. Mm. Your voice is still important. So I don't care if you're adapting whatever, if you're doing a straight adaptation or if you're doing an inspired adaptation, your voice has to come out. I want people to know that when I adapt something, that that's my work. And mm -hmm. I compare it to like certain filmmakers. You know, there are certain filmmakers who, um, if they did a certain type of adaptation, mm -hmm. you, know, the, you know, one might be like, uh, you know, maybe there's a director who's like known for using you know, the, the F word is, uh, or, you know, our very, style. <laughs> yeah, very bloody and gory scenes. Right. Yeah. And, and let's say like he did an adaptation of something and then you had somebody else, you know, like, um, like, uh, uh, um, gosh, uh, I don't know. Who's the one who does the strange movies? Um, Tim Burton. Yeah. You know, somebody like Tim Burton, like that's a totally different style. Right. But if they did an adaptation of the same story, it would be totally different. And we would know, that it was them. They would put yeah. their voice in it. Yeah. And I feel like it was the same way. Um, it's also one of one, uh, one example I like to use. One of my favorite bands is, uh, um, uh, a group called uh, Grupo Fantasma out of, uh, Austin, Texas. Okay. So some of those members created a group called Brown Sabbath and <laughs> they started to play black Sabbath songs, but it was like, you know, this band with like horns and like, you know, uh, horns and drums. And, and, and so it and when you hear like them doing Black Sabbath songs, like you hear the song, but it's very, like, you know, it's Latino guy, like yeah. Latinos create and, and their voices come out. And, yeah. and I feel like that, you know, it's the same way when you're doing an inspired adaptation, you're not just transferring it to a different setting and using the same, um, using all the same plot points and everything, I feel like as a writer, you if if there's certain plot points that don't like work with you know like maybe you just never really like that. And mm -hmm. Like you know what, I'm just gonna cut it out. I'm gonna or I'm gonna change it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's where your voice as a writer comes from. I mean, I think another example, like whenever uh, I talk about, um, like if we look at something like uh, like um, Lion King, and I bring that up because I feel right. like everybody's at the Lion King. They're aware. Mm -hmm. um, People compare that to Hamlet, but they tell them that's not really Hamlet. Because if it was Hamlet, Simba would be dead at the end. <laughs> right. Simba, his mom, like it'd be a whole bloodbath, right? <laughs> but and and but yet that's what we remember about it is because it is definitely that the writers shifted the story mm -hmm. and they made it their own. They put their own voice in it. And I felt like that's what you've got to do when you're doing an adaptation. You've got to make your voice known. You can't just like I feel like any Anybody, you know, any, um, honestly, I think uh, just a monkey could just like recreate a story and have the same plot points and put it in a different setting. Mm. And that's what I don't feel like an inspired adaptation is. I feel like you, you take the source material and use it as inspiration. You take what works with you, what you connect to personally, mm -hmm. and you leave that other stuff out. And this is your adaptation. This is how you've done it. And that. that's yeah. what I did. That's what I did with Lucha Lora. Like I was really... I was actually really enamored with the story, uh, the, the Mulan myth. Yeah. And I was going to uh, ask yeah. you about that because it's, it's such a wonderful 
um, reimagining of of the story in such a way that feels so culturally connected to to you, you know, and and yeah. that, that was that was such a great thing. Um, but when you were beginning that process, which that was a commission, right? Uh, for yes, yes, okay, uh, from First Stage, Milwaukee, First Stage. Okay, so in initially when when you were working on this commission, did they tell you let's do a story about Milwaukee or based in Milwaukee, or what were the um, parameters for that type of of work that brought about Luchadora? Huh, I I think I don't know if they actually gave me some parameters, but okay. because it was you know because I was living in in uh, Milwaukee, like I I. I kind of felt like because we were going to, you know, I knew the play was going to open up in Milwaukee. I felt like this is where, um, you know, th this is where part of it definitely will take place because mm. it is going to take place in the present. But I think also, like I had just worked on another play with my wife about, uh, that we called, um, no, no, I'm totally blanking. Um, <laughs> we could, we and, could splice it in there. When you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, I, I remember now. <laughs> Um, oh, uh, Bienvenidos al Milwaukee. We worked on a piece, oh. uh, Bienvenidos al Milwaukee, Welcome to Milwaukee. And it was this piece, and it was, it was part docudrama in the sense that when my wife and I first got here, we were like, inter when we first moved to Milwaukee, um, we, we started interviewing people just to, we figured like, you know, we'd like to get to know some of the people in terms of the community, mm. especially Latinos. And and see if we could create a, a and and I don't think initially we thought we would create a theatrical police, but we eventually did because we we started um, interviewing people and and because it was you know and we felt like that was a great way to learn about Milwaukee you know because everybody has their own ideas of what they think Milwaukee is you mm -hmm. know you think in terms of you know Laverne and Shirley that gets brought up a lot or you know those who might uh, be a horror or uh, serial killer fans you know definitely <laughs> Milwaukee's had its own serial killer. Um, but there's so much more, but it's also different, like what we don't hear from the, like the Latino perspective. Mm. And yeah. so I, so we wrote, my wife and I wrote this piece about this college student who is assigned and he's a very assimilated, he's actually a very assimilated Latino who's working on this assignment where he's got a, a interview, um, various Latinos in the, in the community, in his, in Milwaukee. And so he kind of he huffs on the bus and he just kind of, anytime he, he sees a Latino, he, 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 he tries to interview them and he kind of interviews all these different people. And, um, and I think I had that in, in that experience in the back of my mind as I was jumping into Luchalora and realizing that I wanted to learn a little bit more about Milwaukee, but I also wanted to showcase part of Milwaukee because I could have studied in Chicago where we know there are a lot of Mexicans, but people don't know, like there's a good population of Mexicans in milwaukee yeah i mean when when in terms of when you know uh migrant workers you know they're you know following the they're following the fruit they're following, following the, the season yeah and they go all the way up to, to wisconsin and uh -huh. a lot of them stayed there you know when the factory jobs were opening at the canneries and uh, the foundries and all that like a lot of them stayed there um you know because they were stable jobs Mm -hmm. And I mean, you have a large population of uh, Latinos living in Racine, mm. um, in Racine, Wisconsin. So I, I wanted, I felt like that was also something I kind of wanted to highlight as I was working this piece. I was like, you know what? Like, I mean, this is my home now. Mm -hmm. When I was living in Milwaukee, I was like, this is my home now. Why not, 
why why not set it here? Let's open up the scope yeah. a little more in terms of when we think about Latino stories, like Milwaukee should be definitely one of them. That's and, wonderful. Uh, why can't and it so was how I did that. It was a way to kind of get to know your new surroundings as well. Um Exactly. Yeah. Is is there this kind of I, I hope you don't think this is random, but do you think that theater is a public good or in terms of, of activism? Like does everything in the theater, is there a, a core of, of activism that, that you, that we feel we have to do as people of uh, artists of color, if that makes sense? Like, is that something that, that we feel we have to do? I mean, I, I'm not saying because I felt like I, I saw that in Luchadora or anything like that, but it just kind of led me to sure. think like, um, we come into a new place, maybe a place that might have a small, um, say, um, Latino community or, or a larger community, and you want to kind of almost break bread with that community. You want to make an announcement. You want to, you know, kind of reach out and say, this is what I believe in. I hope that you believe in that as well. Um, do you yeah. think that there's a degree of activism to that where, you know, like that's, that's a part of, of the work of a, of a playwright of color, or is that not necessary right away? Like, should we be thinking like that? I honestly don't know if, if we should be thinking like that. I mean, but I do feel like, like inherently, like I, I feel like definitely as a writer of color, and I would hope that, you know, definitely any, any uh, writer of color, like, like you, of course, I, I feel like the, the act of just trying to tell our story is, is an act of, you know, activism. Yeah. You know, because it, uh, telling our story might actually be, counter to the narratives that we've mm. heard. And so, so yeah, I guess if you could see it that way, you know, in terms of that, um, because for me, and I mean, definitely something that my wife and I have always grasped upon every time we teach uh, community workshops is like, we, we always tell people like everybody has a story. Mm. Um, our job is not, we're not trying to turn you into actors. We're not trying to turn you into writers, um, but you have a story. Mm. And maybe that story, there's a good chance that story hasn't been told on stage. Mm -hmm. So um, we want to help you uh, tell that story. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and maybe you only want to share one story. You know? Because right. I think, you know, when we meet people, it's like, oh, I don't have a story to tell. It's like, no, you got a story to tell. <laughs> um, everybody right. does. And, and, and we have a lot of them. Um, but obviously it takes a different frame because we're like, not just telling the story. It's like, how can we tell it for the stage? Right. Um, but and that's always the, the big thing for me is to really like to, uh, um, I tell stories just as I, in hopes that it might encourage others to tell mm -hmm. their own story, because that's what happened to me when I was mentioning, um, the writer Tony Diaz. Uh, he wrote a book called uh, The Aztec Love God. Mm. And I read that book and it's kind of like these series of kind of, uh, I mean, uh, it's a full story about, about this guy who wants to uh, be a comedian. Um, but, you know, there are certain bits in there that he writes and it was just like, it was really connecting to me. And I was like, man, we can write about that. Like, I remember <laughs> asking him and I remember, like, it was a secret. I was like, I was like we can write about that? Is that okay? Like, right. Yeah. yeah, right. I was like, is that okay? And... Like that's it's like cookies. Like man, we can write about anything. And mm -hmm. like, you know, because thinking about it in terms of what I was exposed to is literature. You know, from Oh Mice and Men, or yeah. you know, uh, 
um, you know, all these different, like, what I was told, this is what literature is. Right. And never did I see, like, in terms of, like, Latino characters and the fact that, you know, I, I make this living Latino writer who's writing this stuff and, like, this is, this is what he gets paid to do. Yeah. And this is his career. I'm like, whoa, you know? And, and so I was like, you know what? This is, you know, our story is that important. And I think I, I had hopes that, that, that we have more, more stories, more, more uh, people of color, like telling their stories. Yeah. And, and just as you said, like, I, I, I think it is, it is that sense of activism. I don't, I don't think I set out myself and saying, you know, that, that I'm trying to, um, that I'm trying to, that, that I'm trying to set it as a point of activism, but I do feel like, just the fact that we are putting out these narratives that definitely are counter to some of the, the narratives historically that have been presented like that itself is, is, is our own activism and it's right. very important. Um, so has there been a point in your, in your career as a playwright where you've hit a wall and, you know, I guess, I guess professionally maybe thinking, you know, in terms of looking at that literature and going, I can't, I can't do this. This isn't who I am, but, or, or any kind of brick walls that have come in your path. And how did you overcome that? If that, if that has ever been an issue for you? Um, I, I think I might need you to clarify. What do you mean? Like, like brick walls, like in terms of like, like, you know, like in terms of, in terms of obstacles where you feel like maybe, maybe your work is not, does not belong in the theater. Have you ever felt like I should just hang up the towel or whatever they, you know, like I should just quit? Have you ever had those moments where you feel like I'm, I'm done with this? Oh man, I have that moment a lot. You know, <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of that self doubt. Um, you know, I feel like every time I get rejected from like a contest or festival, I get mm -hmm. that. So actually I've, I've stopped. I don't, I don't submit to contests or festivals. Oh, um, well done. Yeah. I'm... Uh, that's just... <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with that, you know, and because I mean, it's so much, it's not. And I realized that it's not my writing. It's, it's the judges. It all depends on who's judging that year. Um, and, you know, them and their own perspectives and what they think, you know, because sometimes it might even be like, you know, a Latino theater festival and like whatever they think, Latino theater, like what they sure. think Latino theater is. Right. Might even be different than my definition, which I realized like when, when my wife and I were creating, when we started the role Mexican players, like what we were creating was totally different than like what when it because then I felt like what most people saw is like uh, Latino theater uh -huh. and um, because our our focus wasn't about um, not saying Latino theater only focuses on this but our our focus was never to write about uh, immigration mm. but it wasn't a conscious choice saying this is what we didn't write about but it's because none of us actually experienced that because it was in terms of our generations of. You know, my wife's family has been in Texas forever, um, and so is my family. And 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 we felt like there are other stories. I mean, and I right. think it's and and I feel like even that today, like in terms of whenever I see certain uh, stories, and it isn't just you know the the uh, Latino stories, but it seems like immigration is definitely a big issue, which is obviously very important for many people. But I feel like there are so many different facets of Latino theater. Right. And, uh, and for me, that wasn't my experience. So why am I going to write about this when I feel like there are more, there, there are other things that are, that are important to me as a writer. Mm. And that's what I wanted to write about. And that's why in, in Luchadora, there are, there is no, uh, you know, in terms of this, this immigration issue that we're dealing with, because I felt like 
Yeah. That isn't the story that I'm trying to right. tell. Right. And and I, yeah. I kinda think that I, I did have a kind of, of bias in my in my reading of Latino work where like kind of in the back of your mind you're you're reading Luchador and you're like, I wonder if there's gonna be an immigration part of it or a component of that. Just kind of like subconsciously, and then you're like, Yeah, holy shit, no, there's there's no need. You know, it's this is its own story. These are, you know, people who have a different concern, different conflict. And, um, I, I don't know. I just thought that was great. It was a very liberating thing to, to read. Um, but, uh, in terms of, uh, working with your, with your partner, with your wife, how, how does that work? Like how, cause you guys have been doing that for a while. It sounds like, is, is that something that you guys have kind of, kind of honed in on, on how that works? Like, uh, creating and working with your partner is, is there any kind of like changing hats? I don't know if we've honed in on anything. <laughs> I mean, we, like, I, like we, we, I mean, obviously we've been working together long enough. Like we have a certain like language that mm. we kind of like, you know, we are our own shorthand. Um, yeah. It, uh, my wife is always the director. I know that, I mean, she, she directs as long as, long, as well as act. Um, oh. And she's given her hand at writing, but she's like, no, that's not for me. She's like, leave <laughs> all the writing to me. You know, so whenever we do get to work together, like I take the writing aspect, she takes the directing, um, and uh, and and that's kind of how we we approach it. Um, and even when we started the the the, um, the romance and players, I actually was doing the the writing and the directing, but nobody wanted nobody else wanted to direct. They, were, they all wanted to act, and so I was like, all right. And I didn't know anything about directing. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll do it. Whatever. I don't care. Um, and I felt like that's that's kind of been my approach to even creating theater to writing. Like I wasn't trained in this, mm. you know I mean? I've got my, my, my degree is in, in, in BA English creative writing. Awesome. Um, I, I wasn't trained in theater, but I felt like, you know what, if, if I really want to do this, dude, I'll just do it. I'll figure yeah. it out. I'll make mistakes, which I did. I made plenty of mistakes, but I'll do it. And I think that's what we did when we were doing the role Mexican players. And our idea was, we, we didn't want a theater space. We, we knew that. We saw other people who started their own theaters and they would get the theater space and then they had to like get to pay rent whenever they're not in yeah. that space. So yeah. That wasn't our thing. Our thing was like, let's try and create something. And it might take us a full year to create it, but let's create something and we'll perform it for as long as we can. And then when we're done with it, we'll create something else. And if it takes us another year, we'll do it. And mm. that's kind of, that was kind of our, our mentality. And so, working together with my wife and that's kind of always been the shorthand in terms of like, she's a very encouraging person. Like she's, she's the person who you want in the room all the time. And who, whenever we do workshops, people like love my wife. Like they just, you know, they all want to work with her and me. I'm just over there. Like, especially if I have to kind of help put together the script, um, you know, that, that's more of my thing. And I'll do like the writing workshops. Uh -huh. Um, and we're actually working together. I'm developing a, a piece uh, uh, called Caramella for the Wishes. Right. And she's directing that. Okay. And um, it's the same thing. Like, so we, and it's actually been a while since we've actually um, been working on something new. Because uh, the last time, uh, she actually directed Lucha Lona at DePaul University. Oh, okay. And, you know, this is a play that obviously had been done various times. Mm -hmm. um, and she was in Lucha Lona, the original production. She was the math maker. Oh, okay. Um, so we worked on different, on you know, in different capacities. My role stays the same. I just want to write. I have no desire to direct. If I have to, I will. But I have no desire to direct. I definitely don't have a desire to get back on stage. I mean, you might, you might be lucky. Like I always, I told the the uh, 
the artistic director of First Age, I was like, you know, if Elijo ever gets sick, um, you know, that's the, the main guy. And I was like, if he ever gets sick, I'm like, I can, I can do that role. I'm not thinking like, um, you know, um, but, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to, you know, have somebody to create with. And, um, and what's, what's been interesting is most of the time, especially when we moved to Milwaukee, uh, there was a point where, where we were very busy um, where, but it was always, my wife was always working on other projects. She worked for like OSF, uh, Oregon Shakespeare Festival oh, okay. or the Goodman. And here I am working, like we were never working together. Mm. And anytime there were people, were, I noticed it was funny. Like sometimes I'd work on a project and people were like, could ask me like, oh, where's, where's your wife? Where's Michelle? And I'm like, well, if you want her in the room, you've got to hire her. Like, you know, you've got to want, you know, right. she, she's yeah. busy doing her own thing. It's, it's not a buy one, get one. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, one doesn't come with the other and that's kind of how it's always been. And, yeah. uh, because she did her own thing. Like she, sure, she sure. doesn't need me, so but if, we always like, it's awesome to be able to like, be able to like create and collaborate and like try and do something together. Yeah. And, and you, you remind me of a, an interesting point here and I hope you don't mind me asking, um, having a family and having a life in the arts, do you think that that has been a semi-compatible or compatible endeavor to, you know, to, cause I imagine, you know, with, with commissions and with different work, you know, is there a lot of travel? Is there a lot of, you know, uh, schedule differences and that sort of thing? There are always schedule differences. We can never like it, it rarely, like it, it works. I mean, sometimes we actually have to either like, uh, um, we have to get support from, from family to come up here and like, uh, sure. Sure. Uh, hang out with our son, you know, if we have to be gone a long time. Right. Um, th- those, those opportunities are actually coming few and uh, far between, obviously now in terms of COVID, but I feel like, like, but I'm also very particular. Like, I think that's the thing about being a writer. It's like, yeah, I feel like I can get a lot of it done. I don't need to be there. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, but if I have to, I will. And, mm-hmm. and then same thing with my wife, like, you know, we, it's, we always figure it out, you know, in yeah, terms of that. Yeah. I mean, but there's always clashes in schedule. Our schedules are never the same. We sure. were actually just talking about something. I wish I could talk about it, but I can't. But we were actually just talking about, we were trying to schedule something. And we realized like both of our schedules work and it's always exciting. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, we can both do this. It's rarely like somebody will ask us to do something. Right. And it's like, I can do it or she can do it. Yeah. Good luck getting us both there. <laughs> and but this time like we can both do That's it awesome. so we're hoping it actually solidifies um but yeah it's always like it's uh i try to i'm i have to say like i i honestly i i don't like traveling i mean i mean not not in the sense that i mean i love traveling i love going to see things sure but it it, it better be a good reason why i need to be there right <laughs> you know i mean yeah i'll be there for an opening of the play sure but if if that play's been produced like you know 10 20 times already I don't think I need yeah, to be I'm there, fine. you know, and, and I know, and I know you're willing to pay me to be there, but, uh, you know, for me, like, you know, my son, he's 11 years old and, mm. and, and it's so important for me to be there for him. Right. And I feel like that, that's where I want to be. Like, I, I feel like, honestly, I, I do, I do feel like there's, I don't know how to say it. Like, I mean, I've had to turn down gigs because I knew they were going to take me away from my family and, and yeah. who knows what would have happened. Right. But you know what? I don't, I don't regret it. Like, I feel like, you know, this is where I am right now. And 
Yeah. And yet I got a lot of things that I want to work on too. Like I've been taking a lot of gigs. I've actually been taking less, mm. but, um, but, uh, starting like it was last year when I just made this commitment that I was going to take less. And that was specifically because I paid off all my graduate school loans. Oh man. Um, yeah. But before then I was taking everything, you know, but now like, I feel like, you know what, this is like, now that I can like choose and, and pick, like I'm going to pick what bit. I want to work with. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then I also just want to work on my own stuff and, and I'm not, I mean, yeah, it's nice to get my work produced, but, but right now, honestly, it's really about, I just want to create and, and, mm. and see, see, see what I can do with it. And, and if somebody doesn't want to produce it, I'll go find somebody else. And if they yeah. don't, then, We'll figure it out. And I mean, there's a point where, like my wife says, like, if nobody wants to produce it, we'll just produce it ourselves. It's not really about, oh, man. you know, because that's amazing. You know, it, it, sometimes you've got to do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think sometimes we hold ourselves back and realize, you know, what, let's just let's just do it. And we did it and, and, and we'll figure it out. I love that mentality. Yeah. I I think it's essentially like at the core of what, you know, what I think is important. And, you know, I just got a couple more questions. I want to be respectful of your time, but in terms of um, teaching the craft of, of theater, what are some things that, that some of the most important stuff that young students need to know who are going into playwriting? What's must know information for, for people going into this, um, into this trade or craft? Wow. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a good question. Um, man, I, I try not to be just the old man giving out advice and going, Oh yeah, you, <laughs> Sorry, know, you need you to do, do this. <laughs> yeah, you, need, you need to do that. You, you just know? have a lot of knowledge. Um, I, yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I mean, I, I think the one thing that clicked for me, which, which I also feel like I hope I can impart that is like, it's, it's not just that it's not just that stories matter because that's all, that's always very important. Stories do matter. Um, but be aware of the story that you're telling, you know, mm-hmm. be aware of how you're telling it and maybe think about, are you telling it because you're just reproducing how you know it in terms of the narratives you've been exposed to? Or is it really, does it really have to be this way? Case in point, Sometimes I have, uh, you know, some, some students write, write uh, characters where um, either like the, the female character is extremely like, you know, they'll have a, a female lead character, but um, uh, one dimensional mm-hmm. or, you know, the pursuit for, for a boyfriend, you know, it's just very, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and I haven't think like, is this, the, is this the real story you want to tell? Like, mm-hmm. is, is, you know, um, how can you make this unique? You know, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, you know, I mean, if this really is, if you feel like you as a 18, 19, 20 year old feel like your story is this story you want to tell is about this, this young woman who, who wants a boyfriend. Like, um, <laughs> is this the narrative that you really want to tell right now? Like yeah. there's so many other narratives. Like, and I yeah. try to get them to think about it in terms of what is important to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I even have them make a list. Like what are the lists? What are the things, that it did, if they didn't exist tomorrow, like you would, like you'd be really affected. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they write that list, I meant like, and that's, I was like, those are the things that you could write about because those are the things that will mostly will affect you. Mm-hmm. And instead of just trying to write this, you know, 
this entertainment or this, you know, I don't know, right. whatever that they're trying to recreate. Um, which, which is saying also, I think even teaching has made me learn something in that. I, I think initially when I was getting into this, um, I was always like, you know, people need to like take some, take something away. You know, mm-hmm. people need to like, learn something. <laughs> But I started to realize, you know what, sometimes people don't want to learn something, you know? It's like, sometimes people just want, they just want entertainment. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, which I feel like that's kind of where I've gotten to the point. There's sometimes I write stuff and I'm like, you know, nobody's going to want to watch this. But I want to watch this. And, you know, you I'll write it. And that's, yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's, it's entertaining to me. Right. Um, and but but I still try to impart that thing. It's like make sure you're aware of what 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 your what stories you're leaving behind. I mean, I you know if I die tomorrow, I, I'm 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 glad that I I, I I'm glad that I wrote the Jello. You mm-hmm. know, I'm glad glad yeah. that I wrote uh, on the wings of Mariposa, Miomini uh, of San Milwaukee, the, uh, the uh, history of Mexicans in ten minutes, mm-hmm. like all those pieces. I just think are different like reflections of me and important on what I'm doing. And, and I think another thing like I try to impart is like, don't be afraid to like, like abandon the, the, the stuff that, that you wrote a long time ago, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, case in point, like, so I wrote a play, my, one of my first plays called uh, the, the crazy Mexican show. And it was all these different scenes and sketches. And, you know, we, we performed it at the Guadalupe Culture Arts Center in San Antonio. We performed it, you know, in various places in Houston, got produced at, you know, different colleges. We even took it all the way up to Potsdam, New York, where there are oh, no wow. Mexicans. <laughs> um, and and, and uh, performed it for uh, Potsdam University up there. And um, what do you call it? It's, uh, and looking at it now, like there was a point where I was kind of reworking it and be like, oh, it'd be great to bring this back. But mm. I started to realize, like, it, it's extremely sexist. Mm. And, and, and uh, I, I don't know, it might even have some, you know, racist connotations in there. I need to sure. look at that. I'm not sure. But definitely mm-hmm. very sexist and old mentality. And, and I know definitely the, the brunt of the jokes were on the women. Mm. And, and I realized, you know what, that's, that's not me anymore. And, mm. and I don't, I, and I don't even know if I, I, I even want to uh, like share that anymore. Right. That's, I'm not ashamed of it, but right. it's, well, like it's, I, it's, I was, I was just in a different place. Yeah. And it's a very useful thing to, uh, to share that with folks, because I, I think that, that right now we need to, to be vocal about that sort of thing, be accountable for these things and, uh, and be okay with that. You know, have, you know, people change, people learn. But we have to be able to do that in the open. Yeah. That's really important. And um, just one last thing here, and then we'll we'll call it if that's sure. okay. Um, Most definitely. Because I I want to see if if we can find a way to make a case for the arts, especially in underserved communities, especially in places like Wyoming, where you know a lot of the time we there's not a lot of funding for for some things. Um, sure. What can the arts, in particular, in in the theater, let's say? Why do we need this in, in communities? Why do we need this in smaller communities? And what's, what has it done for you personally on a, on a personal level? How have the arts helped your life and how do the arts help communities? 
Oh man, that's oh, that's a that's a that's a deep question. Sorry, man. I'm giving you um, I'm giving you a lot of homework. I apologize. I know, I know, man. I, I was hoping like, what's your favorite color? And, you know, we, next time, hopefully like next time. Do you write prose? Do you like to read? What do you like to read? Um, I think in terms of gosh, like for me, the art, like what I love about it is that it really showcases. Like yeah, it, it it can be a place where we can where we can showcase the the beauty of of who we are, you know, um, you know, because I mean, playwriting is all it is is storytelling. Um, I think it's the same thing with visual art. Which I mean, I feel like if you're, you're telling a story there, even though you know it's same thing with poetry, same thing with dance, same thing with film. It's all story. So it's a different. The basis is story. And and I feel like it, it 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 helps us understand that the world is not as big as we thought it was. You know, mm, it makes yeah. it so small. You know, I mean, if I get to hear somebody's story, no matter if it's presented in terms of a poem, a play, a dance, a song, a film, if I get to hear somebody's story in my community, maybe I get to understand them. You know, mm-hmm. I get to understand where they're coming from. You know, I I don't I don't uh, one um, one of my uh, uh, playwriting instructors, I don't want to say teacher because he didn't really teach us. <laughs> he said, he said uh, the great thing about being a playwright is you have more than one vote. Um, mm. and, and the way he explained it was that he goes, you can, if you can tell, if you can write, you can write a play and it will, there, there's, if you write a play really well, you can possibly change someone's mind and get them to kind of think and understand mm. your perspective. Yeah. Um, and then maybe by doing that, you can then lead them to, you know, change how they vote, however, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And that's a very powerful, like that's always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that that's, that that's, that that's what I love about the arts. It, it allows us to kind of take in and see different perspectives. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, it, it, it showcases creativity and, um, and I think that's important for any community, you know, um, even if, uh, you know, leaving, leaving you know, uh, out the aspect of, you know, in terms of like, can you make money off it or not? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't get into this for the money. Mm. Um, I definitely didn't stay into it for the money. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there's, it, it was really being able to kind of share stories, but now it's really, I'm hoping, and, and I don't, I don't know how self-centered this feels, but. Like I'm hoping I inspire other people to tell their own stories, you know, and 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 I mean, it, and maybe for some it does, and maybe for some it doesn't. And that's okay. But I'm hoping that that somebody will like say, you know what? Just as I did when I read the Aztec Love God, when I when I read House uh, Mango Street, uh, when I when I read the play um, Latin's Anonymous, um, you know, when I read uh, Zoot Suit, yeah. um, when I read Roosters when I read these plays, like that inspired me and, and, and I want to do the same thing. You know, I, I would really love to see more stories. Like I don't see anyone in competition. Like everybody, mm-hmm. everybody has their own experience and, and what they do. And, yeah. and if somebody else gets chosen for it, you know, that, Hey, you know what? That's perfect. That's great. You know, I just wouldn't mm-hmm. for that opportunity. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I, I think we need more storytelling, you know, in whatever form. And I think every community needs that. And especially, 
I think even in our own Latino community, you know, uh, we definitely need, need more stories and, we, and they need to come out. You know? Yeah. And, and maybe people might be able to kind of change their perspective on, on how they see things. Right. Got to mix it up. Well, you know, without a doubt, I know that you have uh, influenced and inspired many folks. So I want to thank you for your time, man. I think it's uh, it's really awesome that you took a chance on this uh, new project that I'm doing. And I'm just very grateful for your time and for all that you've done, man. I really appreciate sure, it. Sure, anytime, man. Yeah, anytime, yeah. man. Thank, I, thank you for yeah, doing it. You yeah. know, thank, thank you for doing this. We need, like, this is what we need. And instead of waiting for somebody to do it, you did it, you know? Thank you. That's, that's, I'm, and, I, and when I saw you posting about that, I'm like, sure, I'm going to do it. I have time. I'll, I'll make oh, time. Awesome. I, because that, that's, I mean, I always tell people, like, people want to work with people who work, mm-hmm. like who make their own work. Yeah. You're making your own work. You're doing your own thing. That's, that's awesome. Well, thank you, we sir. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm totally glad to be a part of it. That, that means a lot to me. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that, uh, that we can... Uh, you know, keep up. I won't ask you like these super heady questions next time. We'll we'll talk about your favorite uh, bands. Yeah, if you want. man. I want some. I want some. Yeah. Man. Let's about my may, music. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Uh. You know. Um. When when there's another event coming up or or something else you want to you know share with the world, please come and talk to me. I, I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. And I thank you for your wisdom for so much that you've shared with us today. Sure. Thank you. Can we can we uh, at least like uplift my website? Uh, of course, of course. I'm going to link all of your stuff on the on the oh, description. Oh, okay. But um, awesome. Awesome. what's your website okay. so we can put it on there? Like um, the the adaptation Carmela Full of Wishes. When that when is that coming out? And your website? Yeah, Carmela Full of Wishes. Uh, it's going to uh, premiere uh, next year. It's uh, first going to be uh, at the the Rose Theater in January 2022. And then it's going to open in uh, April here in Chicago at Chicago Children's Theater. Uh, my website is alvarosarrios.com, S-A-A-R-R-I-O-S.com. And I also obviously have a Twitter at Real Crazy Mex. Um, yeah, at Real Crazy Mex. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Alvaro. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope to talk to you real soon. Excellent. Thank you very much. And yeah, yeah keep in touch. Absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully we'll talk more, uh, you know, more fun stuff next time. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, happy writing. <laughs> <laughs> Take you. care. Bye. All right, bye-bye.